This episode of Living in Las Vegas is brought to you by Mitch Fulfer of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, selling homes all across the valley. Thanks, Mitch. in Las Vegas starts now. Why, yes, it does. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome from Las Vegas, Nevada, that groovy little podcast that gives you a true first-person look into what it's like to call Sin City your home, the living in Las Vegas yeah, podcast. That's what I'm talking about, kids. It's coming. Look out. And now your host, yeah. a man who clearly needs some kind of introduction, otherwise you wouldn't know who he was. A singer, Brother Scott. Eh? Mr. Scott Welcome, everybody, to the Living in Las Vegas podcast here on the Vegas Video Network. Oh, you brought your own crowd. That's fantastic. Hey, by the way, hey, let me congratulate you because you're watching or listening to the longest running podcast about Vegas that actually originates in Vegas, which means that we're not only going to cover what it's like to live here. <laughs> no, we're going to be talking about adventures downtown and Fremont Street on the strip, other cool places here in the Valley. And by the way, if you're a fan, you're a tourist, well, you might be thinking of moving to our fair city. Well, guess what? This show's like your own secret handshake to all things cool and groovy. Now, our free show is live on the first and third Tuesday of each month at 7 o'clock Pacific time at VegasVideoNetwork.com forward slash live. Again, VegasVideoNetwork.com forward slash live. Like my good friend Christina Aguilera says, come on over. Come on over, baby. Get yourself in the live chat. Look at all those good-looking people right there all having a good time. I've got Pops and Sam and Ted and, and all kind, Mad Chipmunk, all kinds of crazy people hanging out. And guess what? Here's the, the magic of the live chat. Sure, you get to be part of the show, which is fantastic, but also you get to see some behind the scenes because we start streaming not at 7 o'clock, oh no, uh, 6.45. You get to watch the sausage being made, which sounds fun, doesn't it? And then when the show's done at 8 or so, guess what? Then we go into VVN 2.0, VVN After Dark. We talk a little bit about things that we simply did not want on the record. So come over to VegasVideoNetwork.com forward slash live. Hello, I'm Scott Whitney. I'm your host. Konnichiwa, buenas noches, how you doing, hot stuff. I am the founder of the Vegas Video Network, so on behalf of all the shows, thanks for watching. By the way, we have a brand new show coming a week from tonight. Las, oh, where was it? Lake Las Vegas Live. Lake Las Vegas Live. Pretty cool, right? They'll be joining us next week. Uh, and thanks for watching this show as well. Now, our good friend Pimpin' Wayne's not here today. He's feeling a little under the weather, but do I feel bad about this? Not really. <laughs> Why? Because I've got this artist st studly dude. i got Keith Thompson hanging out oh, today. Yeah. There he is. And we're going to be talking about musicy stuff and talent stuff, and working for the man stuff. Uh, super excited to have Keith. Keith, welcome to the show, my friend. Glad to be here. Cheers. 
uh, for your for your warm Chardonnay, which I'm quite embarrassed about. But Keith Keith is a giving, warm kind of supportive guy. He said, "No, no, 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 no. That's the way you should drink Chardonnay, so you can really taste it. That's the way it's done uh, at all the nice wineries." So he tried to make me feel good. Well, they tell you that that's why, but I kind of think it's because they're too cheap to to refrigerate it. <laughs> so that's a, a theory. A that's, that's fantastic. So we're going to be talking about um, a couple things. Like, how do you launch a show on the Las Vegas Strip? Now, Keith has been doing this all over the place. He's also been involved with some really big time shows here as well. So we're going to dive into what Keith's been up to here. How long have you been in Vegas? 14 years. 14 years. Okay. So we're going to start with the show that you're wearing right now, actually. Can we see it on your shirt? Yeah, there it is. The Cocktail Cabaret, the which cocktail cabaret. the That's party starts here. Yep. So first of all, tell everybody where it is, okay. when it is, and what it is. Okay. The Cocktail Cabaret is runs Wednesday through Saturday at 6 o'clock p.m. at Cleopatra's Barge in Caesar's Palace. Okay. Now... Uh, who does it uh, feature? Who are the people who are hanging out in this here show of yours? Well, you see, according to that graphic, it's uh, from my left, left to right. right uh, is Daniel Emmett, Nikki Scalera. That's Philip Fortenberry, who is the uh, music director, pianist of the show, and then Marin Wade and Eric Jordan Young. But we have many rotating special guests who come. A in. ton. Yeah. So you never know who you might see. Right. Okay. So what is your role in all of this? Um, I'm the director. I'm the producer. I'm the arranger. I put the show together. It was my idea. I uh, did a lot of that stuff with uh, Philip Fortenberry because he was, you know, my musical muse. Right. And we worked on some of the arrangements together. But um, he just came back from China, didn't he? Three whole weeks, fourteen What's cities up with in that? China. He got booked to play Broadway music Crazy. in China. I know, and he's such a wonderful pianist. Yeah, so. yeah, he's fantastic. Okay, so you're your director, producer. Mm-hmm. I remember when we went there. So I went there on Saturday. Uh, Melissa and I went there on Saturday to uh, check this out. Had VIP seats. Paid for it, was happy to do that, wanted to, you know, actually give back to these folks. What a fun show. Isn't it great? What a fun show. I thought it was the quintessential Vegas show. Well, you know, when we were putting it together, the whole idea, we came up with a concept that we were, uh, I don't know if I didn't live here then, but all the word was always that in Vegas, back in the day, uh, the lounges were where it was at. Yeah. And in the lounges, you could go and you could see uh, a show. You could see, you know, like celebrities, uh, even the big celebrities were working in the lounges. Right. And so um, at, we said, you know, Vintage Vegas is back. We, we worked a, a whole a lot on that concept, bringing back Vintage Vegas. But we don't do like the old Rat Pack stuff. That's not what we're really about. Right. We're really more about... Um, uh, like uh, maybe modern standards uh, reinvented. Yeah. Our music is not new, no. but it's not as old as like going back to like the you know the, the swing era. Right. We have plenty of pop songs, yep. Yep. some original material, yeah. which I wrote all the original material yeah. that's in the show. And um, but there's like three original songs. And the guy, this guy here, um, let me go find him again. This guy here is kind of kind of plays the part of your MC ish. Well, that night he did. He's only been on three times. That's, is that right? That's Randall Keith. Yeah. Randall Keith. Yeah. Was he the Baz guy? 
He was in Bass. I thought he so. He was also uh, uh, in Camel- uh, Spamalot and uh, Phantom. Yeah. He's one of the Fat Pack guys. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. He's got an yes. extraordinary voice. He, a, and that, so the songs that he was singing, he was singing, were your songs that you wrote? No. He, uh, he sang the opening number is my song. Okay. And then every other song that he sings is just an arrangement that oh, I've done. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, so let's. So this was your idea uh-huh. by yourself. You were drinking some warm Chardonnay uh, one day, and what happened? Well, it kind of. Um, this guy named uh, Gene Lubis, who is a, a, a what it was an entertainment director in um, at Caesars, and now he's a creative consultant. He's a Broadway guy, like okay. I am. We came okay. came here from New York. Okay, uh, worked on Broadway as a dancer, actually. And uh, so he was here in town, and he was. We were working on uh, the possibility of bringing a big show uh, that would have music and, and dance in it. And so we had already started looking at some talent. Okay. And uh, and it, the the money was supposed to come through, and then it didn't come through. And then we were waiting and waiting, and finally we said, "We've got all this great talent. These people who live here, right? And and you know, they they're not working." Yeah. So why don't we get put together something small that we could put one of the lounges? And, um, That's and kind feature, of a nice motivation. Yeah, feature this enormously talented friends of ours right. who we've been looking at. And so yeah. we put together four people who kind of magically came together. So so there was no audition process? There, It wasn't an audition for this show specifically. We were auditioning for that other concept. Ah. We were seeing people. So we would. it wasn't like you were auditioning for a show that was going to start production. We were just... Doing some investigation. So when you were doing this investigation, when you were talking to all these guys, because, you know, musicians out here are hungry yes. as a practice. They're all trying, they're all dancing as fast as they can, trying to find the next game. Yes. So when Keith Thompson says, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a show. Yes. I'm imagining you got some attention to that. Oh, of course we did. And, and like numbers, you have four people in this, in this who are up front plus what, four or five band folks? Four. yeah. Um, so eight total. How many folks, when, you, when they heard that you were going to be doing something, how many people did you see when you went through this? And, and, and this show wasn't yeah. the show yet. No. You were looking at something yet. else. We, saw, we probably saw about 20 or 30 people. Okay. Is, yeah. Uh, Jersey Boys was going to be closing. The Jubilee was closing. Oh, uh, so this was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, when did Jersey years, Boys close? Two, years, two ago. years ago. Yeah. So the, the genesis of this happened two years ago. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't have and any idea. Us, and we've been running for about, what, eight, nine months now? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So it took us about a year from no shit. from the actual start of when we came up with this concept. And the concept... But it had to change. I mean, you started bigger right. and then it got smaller. Yeah, Okay, exactly. at what point did you say the big thing isn't going to happen because of funding or, or venue or whatever the hell it is? Uh, uh, well, after waiting around for a while. and So basically the money didn't come right. and you're like... Hell with this. Yes. Let's find something else. Exactly. Let's do something else, I should so, say. So if, if you want to know how you put together a show in Las Vegas. I do. Um, first of all, money is important. Yeah. And um, I, I re- while we were putting this concept together, I was uh, some angels came into my life who said, you know, we would like to um, give you some money to make you know, whatever you want to do. And, um, and I was like, that's neat. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It was, they were literally like angels right. and they came into my life and, and, and helped set up the original fund. Okay. So the fund was not really big enough. I should have probably had like two and a half times as much money as I had. Now, can you talk about how much, I'm going to ask you later okay. how much money do you need to 
promote a show like this. I would say later. Even, even a show as teeny as ours, I can give you a, a, okay. a ballpark. Yeah. I mean, our show is small. Yeah. Right. Um, and you say small because of venue or small because of both. It's only eight people, so four singers and, right. and, and four musicians. Right. So that's pretty small. Yeah. In a room that seats 150 people. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yep. So. It's a no, pretty we, cool room, by the way. It is a very cool room, but and it's and it's iconic. Yeah. But um, so you try to put together those numbers, and they don't really completely work. So how do how how much we're going to sell tickets for? And in Vegas, which was an interesting thing because this was a ticketed thing, ticketed event, which is new at Cabaret Jazz. I'm sorry, uh, at uh, at Cleopatra's Barge because, yes. for instance, Perico was doing it for free. I think Zoe Boy was there for a while doing yes. it for free. I think most people were doing free there. But yeah. Now they're 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 doing like two and three drink minimums for Perico. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, because the whole point yeah. is re drink. entertainment so that the bar make the the casino makes the bar. Right. Right. So we've never participated in the bar. So for a while, uh, they, they but, well, most, most musicians don't, right. most producers don't, when you mean by participate, the, tell people what you mean by that. The revenue from the ball. Yeah, you get none of it. None of it. And that's pretty much across the board in Vegas. Yeah. Nobody gets the bar. Right. But if we were doing, if, if we're, so there, there's a way to construct it so that, say, the show were for free, like Perico. Yeah. And uh, they were paying us, we could maybe come up with some kind of a deal where, you know, maybe we would get. You know, a percentage, five percent of the bar, or something like yeah. that, or you know, a small percent. Right. Uh, but that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> I've never heard it ever happen no. for anybody. No. Have you heard of somebody who gets part of the bar? N no. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard it. Well, well, there there are some some presenters who like uh, I think over at the Windows Showroom, uh, they rent rent leased that room to well, these that, people. Yeah, that's right. And that and so they ran the room and. Um, and the bar was theirs. It was the people who were leasing the room because yes. they were leasing it and then bringing in talent. That's what yes, that's what's sure. happening in that room right now, yes. right? Uh -huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's now their bar because they basically bought it. They basically four walled it from Bally's. Yes, is what they're doing. Yeah, and four wall means well, four wall means that you take all the risk, right? And you go in, and um, if you don't make your nut that week, you're out. Caesar's charging you. Or, yeah, right. Or they're kicking you out. That's right. And so that's basically our deal. Yeah. And well, it is a four-wall deal. It was. Oh, it was. Oh, so it's okay. What? Okay, let's back up. All right. All right. So you, your part, the guy who you were talking with, whose name again was what? Gene Lubis. Gene. He's so, a creative consultant for Caesars. So Gene, mm -hmm. and was it because of Gene that you're in that venue? Did you look at other venues? Uh, he was instrumental in because of his relationship with Caesars. Right. Uh, we were looking. Yeah, we were you know talking to people and looking around. But um, can you tell me where you were looking else? Because that's a pretty yeah, unique we, room. No, we were we were looking. Um, uh, we were we were still on Caesar's properties, but we were looking at different rooms. Originally, we were looking at a completely different space. Yeah. And then when we went into the um, uh, the pitch meeting, which is that's another thing that you have to do. Yeah. Is you have to convince them that you have an idea. That's so you're worth, pitching to the, uh, to the entertainment, director, entertainment yeah. director. Yeah. Okay. So there's a guy. Uh, his name is Damian Costa. Who, yeah. Who's over there? He's uh, got a lot of you know, vision yeah. and uh, knows he's directs the, uh, the whole. And can I, add, can scene. I, can I just, um, cause I want to hear about the pitch. It's going to be important yeah. to me, but it seems to me that Caesars and specifically that property yeah. has opened up their kimono to local musicians again. Like remember it was, it was the Matt Gossie room for a yes. while. And, and that, and, and during that time, 
Was there a lot of local bands playing there? I don't know. I didn't really have, well, I have my fingers on the pulse. I didn't think there Caesar. was. Ted might know this. Hey, in the live chat, Ted, if you know, uh, was were people, were local bands playing in that room when Gossie was playing there? I'd be interested in knowing that. Um, but it seems that once Gossie left, they said, well, shit, let's, let's, because so I thought they were going to change it into a bingo room or something like that and yeah. then it and then it perico got in yeah. and all those guys and they're like hey wait a minute this might be something for yeah us. there's a, a great music scene going on over there right now yeah um but kind of reminded me of like what tuscany is doing with because the, they really embrace exactly. local bands mm -hmm. and i thought these guys were kind of like hey maybe we should do this we do have like you mentioned a shitload of talent here holy crap okay so you you checked out some other deals you have to do a pitch yes now you go in there you and gene or just you um no it was me uh philip my musical partner right um gene did come mm -hmm. but he wasn't wouldn't have had to right because i was pretty much doing the pitch yeah we had to learn to do something called a pitch deck yeah yeah sure yeah. that's and we, super normal for yeah. those of us in business <laughs> yeah, you think so and, uh, and we really was an uh, oh you're gonna have a pitch deck right and we said yeah 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 sure uh Excuse me. Right. Google, <laughs> Google pitch what, deck. What's a pitch deck? Yeah, a so, slides. Yeah, Did you find weeks. Guy Kawasaki and the 10, 20, 30 rule? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we figured that out. So we uh, got like a guy who's like one of the best in the business to put together a really, really wonderful pitch deck for us. Yeah. And, um, and that helped because the pitch deck was uh, very attractive. Yeah. And, and it really showed the show off in the way of what it could be. And yeah. it was Damien and his vision. And he looked at it and he said, wait a minute. This show should be in the Cleopatra's barge, so because you weren't pitching it for mm -hmm. a venue, you were just pitching it, pitching it to whatever venue. What you got? And we and we had in mind another venue that was just like. Can you tell me that venue? Uh, yeah, I'd rather uh, not because okay. I don't want That's it to look like you know. Uh, but it's one of the venues that had not really come to fruition yet. And okay. It looked like it was going to be happening. So All right. Let's get on the ground floor of that. Got it. One. Got it. Got it. And then he's he had the vision. He, he thought we had the kind of um, upscale feel that would right. look over at Caesars. And that's, that's quite a compliment. So in a, in a pitch deck, mm -hmm. normally, part of what you talk about is the problem you solve. Yes. So this is interesting to me, and I didn't know you were going to go here, and I'm pretty excited that you are. Okay. Um, I think one of the reasons why most musicians in Vegas are starving to death is because they don't have the business acu acumen mm -hmm. to argue what they do. They don't know what problem they solve. Right. Right. And so if you're doing a pitch deck, Slide three mm -hmm. typically is, here's the problem we solve. Right. What would you say? Here's what we provide for. So it's like, where do you go to get your evening started before you go out? Before right. you go to your show or your dinner? Or, or where, where do you bring your clients to, right. uh, to see something, you know? Nice. Bef right. Before you go for your big evening out. Yeah. And we provided something uh, it was called the Cocktail Cabaret because it celebrates the cocktail hour. And the idea was that we glamorized cocktails and we go back to the time of vintage Vegas where and in the show there would be uh, specific references to cocktails and um, inviting the audience to have another round, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Right. So that was kind of where we we were solving that problem, which is uh, something. And there was nothing like that in, in Vegas. There were, there were no uh, – if, if there was a 5 o'clock or a 4 o'clock show – it was a magic show or a, a, a female or person right. show or something right. like that. It wasn't what we do, right. which is let's 
get ourselves in, in the right mood. Now, uh, in the live chat, Ozzy Dave, we have somebody from Deb who's in Australia right now oh, watching, yeah. as a matter of wow. fact. She wants to know, did I miss how much Keith had to invest to get the show off the ground? Um, I probably don't want to tell you that, but I will tell you this, how much I should have had. Yeah. Um, I, to go into this again, to try to do it again, uh, I really think you need at least two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now, so I've I've talked to a number of producers here mm -hmm. uh, over the course of my time with the network, and uh, I've heard them tell me that if you're not willing to spend somewhere on the average of twenty to forty thousand dollars a week, mm -hmm. yes, on promotion, marketing, marketing, marketing is the big one. Uh, you're probably going to starve. You're probably going to starve on the, or yes. die on the vine. Yep. Do you, do you agree with that? I do. Okay. So I, I don't ask you, like if we had some people who say, oh yeah, shit, it's this much and it's this much. I, I don't need you to tell me that. But you're saying that you were uh, underfunded, you believe. I think that we could have been better funded, but with the fact that we were funded at all was remarkable. And what I always say we were the like the little show that could, right. you know, mm -hmm. because we were gifted every time we turned around, like um, with, with an amazing pitch deck that we paid very, very little for. Right. Uh, we got a fantastic logo that um, we were able to, that really branded our show. Yep. Um, we got a wonderful photographer who took all those photos that you saw in the, the graphic. That one there? Yeah. Uh, who cut us an amazing break, right? And she's, she's just so talented. Um, so every time we turned around, we were getting these great deals. I got a, a lawyer who literally, <laughs> because she was a friend of a, a, a her, the wife of a friend of mine. Right. And, um, and she said, because, you know, you're, you're like family. So every time I turned around, like God was like, you know, like here's another little blessing for you. Right. So we ended up maybe, uh, coming out so much farther ahead on the little money we had. Um, and we were, we were making it right. And so we had a, a couple of uh, small investors who jumped in along the way and we, were, and how does that work for them? So they invest. Well, uh, so is this well, a profitable any, show? How do no, you, anytime you invest in theater, which right. is what we consider our thoughts, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you invest knowing that it's a high risk venture yeah. and that there's a probability you probably won't make your money back, but right. there's a possibility that you will. Right. And if it does hit, uh, more than likely you'll make it back on if you uh, tour or if you uh, sell merchandise or, yeah. or things like that. Yeah. That's where you're never going to make it back on ticket sales right? off of a little venue like this. And no, they go into that with their eyes open. But they want to help and they want to be a part of this process because they got excited about what they saw. So you're four-walling this deal. No, you're, you, you initially were four-walling right. it. And, and so, did something change? Yeah, something what changed? changed. What changed was uh, we were pretty much out of money. And so when you're out of money... <laughs> you you close right right so I was ready to do that I was ready to say this was wonderful and we had so much great press and everybody loved the show so much and Caesars came back to us and said we love your show and we don't want you to go away oh. so how can we do something about this so you so, told them hey we're we're out so we we worked out a deal and how long into the show's life did you reach that point mm, we were right about six months okay and um and so they came back and they. Um, 
without getting into the specifics of what what kind of a deal they just they agreed to help yeah okay so they threw us a lifeline that's and, nice and because of that we continue to run uh, and and still you never know from week to week right because they, they just have a little more risk in them they're helping us with marketing yeah you know so are they branding you like within their properties now is that uh, kind of thing happening? more so yeah they they always were a little bit or were they even yeah. though you're for a while they don't have to as no, a they practice don't have to. they don't have to but because we were on, at Cleopatra's Barge, we, we got residual branding. They were promoting yeah. the barge oh. and what was going on in the barge. Yeah, so we yeah. happened to be going on in the yeah, barge. Right. So we got that. Right. Now they're they're giving us a, a little bit more focus because they, they know they want to help us sell tickets so that we can survive. Now, uh, the majority of your ticket buyers come from where? Uh, well, originally... It was mostly locals. Yeah. I mean, like because of our, you, we were all because known, of you we, guys. We're local people. Right. We, they were known by the locals, um, and as w it's come more and more, uh, people would come to town and hear about this show, and so we're getting a lot of people who are googling us online and um, uh, looking for cabaret or yeah. looking for uh, a lounge show. Or vintage Vegas, they, we get those kind of things. So let me just tell you that you're doing something that I appreciate, but so because um, well, so I've been to a lot of shows here locally. That my God, they pitched TripAdvisor like it was crack cocaine and they can't get enough. Oh, please give us a nice review on TripAdvisor. Oh, please say nice things about us yeah. on Yelp. You don't say shit about that in that show. No, we don't. And I like that. Well, <laughs> you know, I. It's nice to not have to hear a pitch every, I mean, there was one show, I forget which one, well, it doesn't matter, I won't bring it up. They must, I think, oh, I'll tell you offline, I'll tell you in Vegas Video Network after dark. Um, they probably said it three times in the show, three times. Yeah. Go to TripAdvisor, don't forget this. They had cards and all that, I, mean, I don't mind that, but holy shit, man, how about yeah. just we're a, we're doing a it? We're a presence on TripAdvisor, we're a presence on Yelp. Um, because we, we just would be, right? Yeah, right. But then you have no control over what people say. Right. And it, it's, um, you, you just have to kind of like ride that out. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough to know if those are the things that... Are bringing people in. Yeah, I don't know. What, if you had um, all the money in the world mm -hmm. for this show, what would you do? Um, I would market it a lot more. I, I just put more into... Um, uh, not even... I mean, we... we we put a lot into social media as it is. Yeah. Uh, like paid social media or just hustle? A little of both. Social, yeah, a little yeah, both. I yeah. mean, we do a lot of just free posting. Yeah. And, and we do boosting. Um, we have somebody who's working with us um, on uh, social media marketing. All right. Jimmy wants to know how we met. Me and you? Yeah. Oh, well, I, Kelly Clinton. Remember, you did Talk Tales. Yes. And, that's uh, right. You were a guest on Talk Tales. Yeah, and I sang Chardonnay. That's right. <laughs> that's right. right. Which you would have thought I remember that when uh, I offered I you a nice so. Pinot Did Noir. Or Pinot Noir? No, I sang Chardonnay. <laughs> I make one mistake. I'm right. never going to hear the end of it again. Uh -huh. Jesus, that's Christ. Uh -huh. uh, so mostly you'd be doing outbound marketing to help just draw more people in. Yes, and I would also... Um, like you wouldn't I, add to the band, you wouldn't add to the talent, you wouldn't do I that think, kind of thing. No, I think that we're kind of like for where we are, the perfect little size. If we were to expand, like yeah. maybe into a bigger room, somewhere like a 300 seat room where, or, or 500 seat room or something like that. I think like that room's that. perfect for you guys. I do too. The intimacy of it, yeah. the, the way that you feel like you're a part of it. Yeah. Uh, but it also, I mean, we've done a couple of little presentations whenever we first started out on, um, like down at, you know, 
uh, anthem, Sun City anthem. Yeah. Uh, and oh, you have. Yeah, we did that yeah. like for an afternoon thing because we were trying to get people to know. Audience, you. Sure, right. sure, right. And um, and it was worked on a proscenium stage, and it worked like a charm. What's that? Know? What's that stage? Proscenium. What's that? It's a stage that has like a proper stage. Oh, okay. You know, like okay. you're not going into the house. Right. Like what we do at the Cleopatra's Barge is we're all over the room. Yeah. Right. You're singing. You're, like wow! They're How long did rehearsal take? So you, you so you get the show. You've got it. It's called Cocktail Cabaret. You've got your four people uh-huh. who uh, of twenty, and uh, you bring them in. You bring the band in. Yeah. And now we, what? We did all the musical rehearsals in my living room. Okay, so, which is what you normally do. Right. That's kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. And then we did um, we did a couple of staging rehearsals. Uh, we had there's a music store here in town that has an upstairs room that rented us uh, the room. It was like a rehearsal space. Right. For a great price. And I did mean, you map it out so it was the same uh, dimensions of kind the? Of. We kind of said there's a ramp board. over here. There's a ramp over there. There's a back part there's of. There's water there. Don't fall in. Right. <laughs> and we but we only did that for like. Two days. Oh, really? Yeah. And then we came into the barge, and we only had like two rehearsals with sound and lights, and that was it. Yeah. And Great sound and lights in that room, too. Aren't they? Oof. Once again, we did not. Again, boy, it's hard we were, to get good lights. We were you happen to work in the two best rooms with lighting yeah. in the whole goddamn town. Gifted. <laughs> Gifted by the fact that um, the, the guys who were in that room, uh, the tech guys, yeah. um, rather than going out and spending a whole bunch of money on... Um, uh, d- designers, yep. like lighting design, yep. and, and all yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. We literally, they said, you know, oh yeah, we can do it. Yeah. And so the beautiful lights in that room. Yeah. Uh, Mike Mike Dembski is, is the the lighting guy. He's a tech guy. He did those lights, and he and he's. Who's the guy who does lights for uh, Cabaret Jazz? That's uh, Stephen Mack. That's right. Magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Good guy. They're both so they're both doing good work. Oh yeah, I'm. I don't think I don't <laughs> think people realize. What can I tell you? I don't. I don't think people realize how important lighting is, and I became more aware of that when I started shooting video yeah. of people performing. Uh-huh. Holy crap! If the lighting is crap, I can't fix crap. That's right. It's it's super super important. So a couple of weeks you're saying of rehearsal? Well, not even. I mean, it was a couple of days. A couple of days of rehearsal. Yeah, I'm sorry. In the space, and um, and then we. Uh, then you go. Yep. Because our people were. I mean, they're pros. They're you know they're just they knew what they were doing. So when you when the did you write out music? <laughs> Like uh-huh. You're because you're that guy. Yeah, you're writing I'm out the music guy who guy writes it out and go. So, there you yes, go. We have a read score, that shit, which means that if the bass player can't be there one night, another guy comes in, right. sits down, and reads it. Mm-hmm. And and how did now when you wrote the music? Did you write the music so that it highlighted the guys who you knew you were going to who were going to be in the band? I mean, I'm sorry, who were going to be the four people? Did you we write we it worked, because because you know Daniel is a this kind of a guy yeah. who's also on America's Got Talent tonight, by as the way, he's a yeah, finalist. As we, as we speak, um, yeah. Did you write songs or, or did you put in songs because you knew he was going to be your primary cat for that for that job and yeah. you wanted him to do those songs? Yeah, we worked a lot on those things. We, yeah. um, we each person was treated, you know, in a very like what's going to make this person look the best and mm-hmm. sound the best and how do we take this enormous talent and brought out in such a way that the and you, you it just the talent just keeps coming at you you know right that's one of the most amazing things about the show right is how um how every you, there, there's not barely a moment where you're not going wow yeah these guys can 
can blow, as the kids yes. say. Um, I've noticed that you've had a lot of male substitutes. Do you have any female substitutes? Yeah, we do. Matter of fact, we're going to have one tomorrow night. Oh, that's right. I saw that. Yeah. Um, how do you decide? Okay, so Travis Clower uh-huh. played when I was there. And, and I asked you off camera what I want to know now. How long did he have to get ready for that part? Because he's singing a number of yeah. songs. He's also hitting marks not just on the stage, but in the middle of the audience and yep. three different points, you've got people rolling in on them. Uh-huh. How, well, how does that work? Well, once again, you're talking about somebody who's used to... Yeah, he's the shit. Yeah, <laughs> being a professional. Yeah. So um, I one rehearsal with him in my house for music, and mm-hmm. there's something called Dropbox, which yeah. is fantastic. So I can take the, the sheet music and little MP3s of things I record for him. Right. He can learn his show on his own. Yeah. He's out of town on a cruise ship or something. He comes back. He knows all the material. And, um, and then I take him into the, the venue once. And I walk him through where he's, you go here, you go there, you change clothes here. By himself. Yeah, you take off your coat here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then right before the show that night he goes in, we get the cast to come in a little bit early and we run down just the things that he needs to be with. So the, he steps on stage. He's never heard himself uh, on the mic with the other wow. singers. So it's, it's a little startling. That's the right? shit. But, yeah, right, right. Yeah, but pulls it out. And the same thing with Randall, right? He was, yep. he had just, that was his first time playing there as well? Yep. So we watched, So two of the you people saw, were first times there. You saw Travis's third night and Randall's second. Is that right? Yeah. Man, you wouldn't know. I know. That's fantastic. All right. This this went. I could I could talk to you for another hour on this show, but we got to move on here a little bit. Okay. All right. Composer showcase. This is what I uh, before this. This is what I kind of knew you for. Yes. Was this fantastic concept uh, where you get people musicians primarily from the strip yep. who come in. Late night and just do their own stuff. Tell us a bit about what's going on with the Composer Showcase. The Composer Showcase started back in 2006 uh, as a little party that we did where uh, some of the writers in town said, hey, let's get together and perform some of our songs and get our friends to sing some of them. Uh, And it turned into such a cool hang we did it after our shows. And right? where did you do it in the beginning? The location? The first year was a, a somewhere that no longer exists. It was called Suede. It is now a marijuana dispensary. <laughs> uh, but it was a little bar. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, keep going, baby. Okay. Give so some, it, it was a power. little bar, and we were there for one year, uh, I, only because I said, we did it once, and I said, this is really cool. Let's do it again. So we did it an, a month later. We did it again. And then it got to be a monthly thing. And then after a year of doing that, the Liberace Museum had a cute little cabaret room right. in their back. So yeah. they came to us and said, oh, we love this thing. Why don't you do this over at our place? And I said, well, if you can get us booze and food, <laughs> because, you know, actors and musicians, right. we need booze and food. <laughs> and, uh, Them are the rules. So we worked that out. And right. so for three and a half years, we were there. And about uh, six months into being there, um, the press found out about us yeah. and started writing about us. Mm. And all of a sudden, people started calling me and emailing me. It's like, oh, my my son is a Wants writer. Wants to do. And, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and so uh, we... Uh, a lot of uh, we got a lot of attention at the uh, at the Liberace place. Yes. How big a room was that? Uh, it's about ninety five seats or something okay. like that. Right. And so we were. I mean, we were tight. 
we were spilling over into the, yeah, yeah. You know, into the hallway. Okay, right. So uh, then they they closed. Right. It, it is now defunct, that particular museum. Right. So we had to find another home. So we for about a year and a half, we heard the Smith Center was coming. Yeah. And um, I'd already been spoken to by the powers that be there that when it happens, there's going to be a cabaret room, and your composer showcase would work real well there. Wow, yeah. So I knew going in that that was going to happen. I just had to stay alive for that long. a year and a half. A, a year and a half, okay. So we did. We a guy named Will Adamson came into my life, and he was a entrepreneurial theatrical producer. Had his own theater company, and he helped me find places where we could do this until. So you're just kind of rolling around until Cabaret we, Jazz. We, two, a couple of different venues. Yeah, and okay. Cabaret Jazz opened, and we went right in, and we've been there ever since. So, and it's it's um, I actually it's turned into such a wonderful thing. Uh, it, the platform or the idea is that we pro provide a, a platform or a a, a, ven a, a way for writers right. to be um, heard, to be, you know. Because yeah, what's the motivation for them? So, them? yeah, I mean, so I'm a, is, my guess is I do the same show every every day on the strip. It's not my own music. Boy, I sure like to do my own stuff. There's is a little bit of is that. that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of it. A lot of it is uh, that I'm a writer and I know where am I going to do my original stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like so even if they're like you know just musicians playing and singing in a band or something, right. they're probably not doing their original stuff. Right. Uh, and if they're writers, especially the ones who were people, we have a lot of people who actually write shows, literally write uh, the, the, the right, pieces. right. I've seen a couple of that. Like mm -hmm. here's the second act, first song, yeah. boom. Yeah, and it's a great way for them people to uh, try out a new song and yeah. see how audience responds yeah, to it. Yeah. Does it work? Yeah, you know, do, yeah. Do people get it? Yeah. Um, I do that myself. It's also a perfect venue for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you you eat the you eat the stage up all day on this thing, right? You got to be having the best time in your life. I I don't know what that Come is. On. I mean, I never did that in my life, but I, I I always get to do the opening number. Yeah. So something that I've written. Right. And I get to perform, and then I get to introduce everybody else. Have you done Chardonnay? Oh, several times. <laughs> just to make sure, just in case you didn't know that I like gardening. Just try to make myself feel bad for that. Uh -huh. So um, has anybody gotten a deal um, because of that? I don't know if you could call it an actual deal because of that. Um, let me tell you what has happened because of it. Um, there's a, a writer here in town named Richard Oberacker who used the, the, the showcase for what it's for, meaning... Uh, developing his material, right. he was writing a new show, uh, and then he would take videos from the show that, that we would do, and he put together like a kind of a, sh a reel, yeah, right. And he was able to get producers in interested in his show uh, using this uh, as a, I guess as a, a jumping off point, yeah, basically. kind of a demo yeah, reel. Yeah. And then he went to New York, and his show ran on Broadway, really for like yeah, it was, wow, uh huh. And That's there's actually cool. a movie version of it. It's called so, Bandstand. Last question I'm going to ask about Composer Showcase. Yeah. I imagine that you're, now you're at, you're at Cabaret Jazz, 200 and some odd people. It's a beautiful venue, arguably the nicest venue in Las Vegas of that size. I think so. Sound and, and lighting-wise. Classy, classy. F Fantastic. Yeah. Nothing even close to it. Um, I imagine every once in a while you get somebody who reaches out to you and go, Hey, Keith, you probably don't know this, but I'm a hell of a guitar player, or I'm a, I have a great song. Yeah. How do you decide who gets on that stage? That is because uh, um, it seems comp not competitive, but it seems like you don't have a problem filling time. Is that fair? 
That's fair. Because of the lateness of the hour, I limit the number of songs that can be performed, and I do this out of courtesy to the Smith Center and the staff there, because right. they don't want to go into overtime. Right. They don't want to be there till three in the morning. Right. You know, so we go ten thirty to about twelve fifteen. Yeah. Try to really call it about then. Yep. Sometimes it runs over, and I feel bad about it, but people don't seem to to mind because it's such an amazing experience. Right. Right. All right. this original material, uh, but. The uh, how do I decide? How do I vet? Yeah, um, it's not an open mic, and I make that clear from the beginning. Uh, if you go to my website, it says we are not an open mic. Yeah, I carefully screen the writers because uh, uh, because of we're at the Smith Center, we they've come to expect a certain level of talent. Yes, exactly. So I'm I'm careful. I mean, like if somebody is is just maybe not ready to be on the composer showcase stage. I'll I'll um I, I never mean or anything, but I always I'll I'll say like you know like why don't we look at finding a time for you whenever you uh, we'll find the right showcase for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, so do like I recommended somebody to uh -huh. you um, and she got on. Yeah. And she was completely thrilled that that happened. What was the process for somebody you don't know? You didn't know her. Right. I listened to her material. So, you, so she yeah. gave you a video or a tape or something. Uh, they contact me online. Yeah. And they send me either a link to their SoundCloud or, yep, or, yep. or a Dropbox or, yep. or email me an MP3. Yep, yep. Or maybe their, their, Got their it. website. So, you so it's basically a blind interview. I mean, you're listening to it and going, oh, yep, that's pretty yeah, good. That's cool. That's or, cool. Yeah, we can make that happen. Okay. Yeah, and I can fit that into my lineup. And what percentage of those people who do reach out to you um, don't make the cut? Uh, it's, it's probably not that very many. I mean, really, it's about 5%. And it's, oh, super low. Yeah, it's really low. Holy I see, crap. I get great writers. I am shocked. I know. That's, that's fantastic. That. Yeah. What the hell? Lately, I've had some, like, some hit writers. Really? I mean, like, yeah, a guy comes, he's new in town, and Michael Peterson is his name. Uh -huh. He's had, like, number one hits in Nashville. Really? Written songs for, like, Travis Tritt. And, Nashville and, is the shit. I know, man. and he's he came and he came to the showcase and he loved it. And I put him on and he sang a couple of his his, um, his hits. God, I love Nashville. I, I've so like the fact that people that caliber of people are now paying attention to us. That's is amazing fantastic. to me. Do you have any growth potential there? Do you yeah. Well, first of all, I about I know I pitched you. We should do a show. Um, there no. I'm, we're finding our way. Yeah, I'm a nonprofit now. For the for, like, right. finally got the 501c3. Right, which means that I really now my idea, uh, my mission. Jesus Christ, we're 40 minutes in. Son of sorry. a bitch. I know. I talked too much. Now keep go. Uh, my um, my the point is that uh, you can go to the website and contact me, and I can explain to people how if they would like to make donations. It's right. tax deductible. Yeah, right. And I'm setting up a scholarship fund. Oh. Um, I'm hoping to start a symposium where we can get uh, established writers to work with young writers um, always have some, trying to figure out what a video concept would be whatever I can do to further the the exposure yeah. of the writers to more than just the the 240 people who can cram in that room it's a pretty cool deal we're gonna take a quick break to talk about my good friend oops that's not my good friend well it is my good friend but there's my good friend there's Mitch Wolfer we're at Brookshire Hathaway Home Services hey did you guys know that 80% of all the realtors out there, is about 15,000 in Las Vegas, none of them have ever bought or sold a house, right? That's shocking. Meanwhile, Mitch, yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mitch, 17 years experience, he's the guy who helped us sell our first house uh, in less than an hour. 
and he negotiated the house that I'm currently sitting in right now. Listen, you got to go check out Mitch, MitchFulfer.com. It's Mitch, F-U-L-F-E-R.com. Whether you're buying or selling, this is the guy to work with. I could be talking to good old Keith. Come a little closer, Keith. Come closer. Come closer. closer. Like I'm closer. There you go. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So I could talk about both of those forever. Let's talk briefly about uh, the Jersey Boys. Is that why you came out here? No, I was out here already. Had been out here for several years before Jersey Boys. Okay. I, I uh, came out with a show called We Will Rock You in 2004. Oh, you did that show? Did We Will Rock oh, You. Okay. A year later, I did Hairspray. Oh. A year after that, I did Producers. And Holy I, shit. Then right after the Producers, Jersey Boys happened. No kidding. Yep. So you came from New York. Yes. From there. What was the motivation to come to Vegas? Because New York's kind of like, you know, if you're not in New York. Yeah. I'd been in New York for a long, long time. All right. And uh, I was touring to, in order to make a living in, and live in New York. I had to leave town. I had to go on, on tour. <laughs> I love New York, money. but I got to go. Yeah. So uh, while I was out, I got a call from a couple of uh, 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 a general manager, a producer, and uh, a musical contractor uh, who were friends of ours, um, um, and Philip Fortenberry, my musical partner, at the same time. Yeah. We uh, came in, and we were offered, well, we had offered an audition for We Will Rock You. And, we, and I wasn't even going to come, because I couldn't imagine living in Las Vegas. Right. But I, Horrible place. Well, Terrible you, people. From your New York, I was very cynical. Right, right. You know? and, um, and they said, but you know, Queen was going to be here, you know, um, Brian May and Roger right, Taylor. Right. And the opportunity to meet them. That's kind of cool. You know, pr- Audition for them. I just sure. didn't think anything would come of it. Right. And they offered us the the show on the spot. Right there. Right there. After you, what's the, the audition for that? What do you do? Oh, they put to, it was a whole grueling day. They'd the hell would you do weeks. for an audition? They put together bands, yeah. and we had to learn certain material, and then they put us together in different combinations to see who could play uh, well with yeah, each other. Yeah, sure, it was sure. A whole long day. Yeah. And then I had myself. I had to go in and audition. You're playing keyboards, a piano, or yeah, both, whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah, keyboards, yeah. like a piano stuff. But right, right, right. And I had to go in for an interview, too. I mean, I had to, because of, as the musical director, to make sure that they, they thought that I was sane, clean, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, knew what I was doing because it was a piece of theater. So it wasn't just rock music. Right. So I needed to know how to keep a cast together, how to keep the vocals clean, you know, the, the, the things you know about whenever you're a, uh-oh, uh, when you're, when you do what I do in the musical theater. Right. So you got that gig? Yep. That gig lasted how long? One year. Okay. So, and then you went to where? Hairspray. And that lasted for how long? About six months. It's kind of hard doing big productions. It was theater. really hard because that was, I, I was starting to get very frustrated. And it was right after Hairspray closed, so I went to wine school. Because I thought, I'm giving up <laughs> are on... You a, are you a... Uh, sommelier. Are you a song? Yeah. Uh, what level song? Just uh, regular. Song, song? Certified. Be, it means that I studied and I got my certificate. Were you gonna? Were you thinking of doing that as a job? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, Screw so, this well, music well, nonsense. Screw the musical stuff. But the, then that the it wants to get paid. Of, but right. <laughs> well, along the way, then other opportunities came. Sometimes you tell the universe, "I'm going to do this," and the, and the universe says, "No, you're going to do that." Right. So that's what happened. So, and then you landed at, at Jersey Boys. How long was that show going on? Eight years. Eight and, and a half years. And you were the TD. There. I mean, sorry, the MD Indeed. there, yep. the, the musical director there, right? Brave How did years. you get that deal? Um, I campaigned for it very hard. Uh-huh. I, I heard it was coming. I knew some people involved in the New York production. I contacted the people I needed to contact um, and uh, went to New York on my own nickel. Uh, a couple of times I sat in the pit. I learned the book. I got all the cueing. Right. And then they put me on in New York to conduct it on Broadway one time. 
And I did well enough that oh, they wow. said, okay, well, if it ever comes to, to um, Vegas, uh, we'll think you about you. You conducted on Broadway? Yeah. What the fuck? There you go. That's kind of neat. It was very Is that neat. on your resume? Well, I no, because I only did it once. <laughs> once? And then, and then whenever they figured seems, out that they were coming, that they had the deal. Good. Huh? Seems pretty good. It was pretty awesome. I bet. Yeah. And so they, um, they called and said, well, we're coming to Vegas and you're the guy. Wow. So, uh, that, but first we had to go to New York to learn it with the, the Vegas cast. And we all went to San Francisco and we were there for like two months. Uh, Why? With, because we were doing the New York version and they wanted to, to get the, um, San Francisco loves Jersey boys. It was like, you could sell it out if you were to take it there again. All right. They just loved it so much. So they knew that they could run it and get it well oiled. And while we were in San Francisco, we took a uh, extra week and did a couple of different versions of it mm. to see wh- how the Vegas version would be. Because you have to create a shorter version for Vegas yeah. as a practice And we didn't know anyways, how much right? shorter it would be, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'd, we'll work without an intermission, or yeah. can we cut this whole section? Right. So we did two different versions of it, and then we then the powers that be went, went oh, that's me and we were There's Rocky. There's Keith. That's We Will Rock You. Oh, that's We Will Rock You? God yeah. damn it. I don't think I have one for uh, Jersey, Jersey Boys. Boys. You don't because I was in a pit. I mean, I was in a, oh, a room backstage. Bitch. I thought I was being very clever. Oh, Look at me. I got myself very clever. Yeah. Yeah. That's off my Facebook page. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know where I got it. I, just, I thought yeah. that was... That's my only rock and roll shot. Jesus you know? Christ. I'm really a musical theater mm. geek. Um, but, so that's what happened. Were, um, you, were you surprised that Jersey Boys closed? That was a big room, by the way. But were you surprised that that show closed? After eight and a half years? No. No. I mean, well, you were expecting it. I, at some point, I knew the show's closed. Yeah. They all do. It's closed in New York. Well, do you, now it's running off Broadway. Now, but. we're not going to be able to talk about the last item because we're running out of time. Okay. But I do want to ask you this. So uh, you're eight years in, eight and a half years, whatever. You've been there for a while. You just said, shit, it can't last forever. Right. Do you then prepare yourself? I try to. To it's hard to how do, you, how do you prepare yourself? Because you're doing was yeah. it five six days a week or right. whatever it is. So I, anytime I, an opportunity came to do something else, like whenever when I, Idaho happened, you know, I took some time off to go um, put Idaho in New York uh, for a, a reading, and then we got a production of it in the Poconos, and um, and then we it got picked up to come to the Smith Center. Right. I took the that time off yeah. to 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 do those things because that had something. A big deal. Uh, future potential. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. always looking ahead to what might be next. Okay. And then after Jersey Boys, unfortunately, the way that um, Vegas Entertainment says, um, you know, it's like nothing's coming. So yeah. what do we do? Hey, let's put together our own show. Yeah. Let's call it the Cocktail Cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, look at him. He back around. Okay. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for coming. Sure thing. Now I'm going to put you to work. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a drink. All right, Rudy, it's time for Have a Drink on me. It's part of the show where we show you a bar or a lounge or a speakeasy or some kind of drinky place, and you guess what that drinky place is. This is brought to you by our good friends over at Las Vegas for Beginners. Net. Hey, listen, their website has hundreds of ideas for you laid out in an easy-to-find manner. <laughs> Events are listed by date. 
giving you the location, the ticket prices, and a link back to the website so you can learn more. Hey, let me just tell you something. I highly recommend their Facebook page. It's not a bunch of bickering nonsense and crap. These guys actually want you to have a good time in Vegas. They are helping you make your next trip to Vegas your best trip to Vegas. Check them out, lasvegasforbeginners.net. Those kids are nice kids. Okay, so here's the deal with this idea, this whole Haddam thing. I'm going to show you a picture, like I said, of a bar, and you guys are going to guess. You're going to send in a uh, an email to where, Keith? Keith doesn't know. I have no idea. We're going to go to haveadrinkatvegasvideonetwork.com. Oh, Again, I see, it, yeah. see, Keith sees yeah. it now. Haveadrinkatvegasvideonetwork.com. And there's, uh, you can win stuff. Now, Keith doesn't know any of this stuff. But I'm going to show Keith. Now, what okay. can you possibly win? Well, what can you win? Here, let's play some fun playing winning music. Let's play, uh, oh, yeah, that one. Well, you can win yourself a Vegas Video Network visor. It fits all in black, just like the color of my heart. Vegas Video Network visor. <laughs> you know what? Do you like music? Of course you do. Hell, we've been talking about music all day. Well, you could win one of the three CDs from your buddy Scott. Christmas Acoustic, Christmas Acoustic 2, or Good Jazzathon. It's almost Christmas time, or some acoustic jazz Latin guitar stuff. It's pretty fantastic. Wait a minute. You want to be closer to me. Well, I want to be closer to you as well. And that way, you can get a drink from your buddy Scott. That's right. You come to Vegas or you live in Vegas, I will buy you a drink. But not at the Dorsey because it's too fucking expensive. Okay, that's it. Now, how do you get chances to get into the hat of joy? Well, I'm going to have Pops tell you how to do that. Oh, actually, I did that one. Let's do this one. Hey, kids. Pops here. Five-time Adam winner. I know what you're thinking. I think it's six times now. you old fuck. How can one old guy keep winning a contest over and over and over? Well, did you know there's bonus entries available after you send in your initial qualifying entry email with the correct hat of answer to have a drink at vegasvideonetwork.com you can get bonus entries for being in the live chat during the drawing or by sending in a video for the Adam contest or by doing a video intro for the show or being quick on the draw and being the first person with a qualifying entry email in to have a drink at vegasvideonetwork.com and don't worry if you're quick on the draw but you jump the shark if you're wrong when you send in your first answer, you can send in a corrective email. It'll still get entered as long as it comes in in time, and we'll just tease you over being wrong the first time. If you win, you're not qualified to win a following week. No back-to-back -back wins. But it is polite to pop in and say thank you very much to Scott Whitney and the cast and crew with the Living in Las Vegas podcast on the Vegas Video Network. Thank you, Pops. All right. Now, one magical thing. So Keith doesn't know a lot about what's going on, or he's thinking to himself, what the fuck did I get myself into? I'm drinking. Right, have some of that warm Chardonnay. Mm-mm, mm -mm, that's tasty. I like it oaky buttery. What about you? I like it um, minerally. Minerally? Yeah, I used to like oaky buttery. <sighs> I've never heard it called minerally. It's French. Uh, well, I don't, I don't get on with the French people. Um, <laughs> I don't know any French people. Uh, hey, if you do win and then you, you select one of these visors, mm -hmm. magic happens. Here's what happened, Keith. You probably don't know this, but you'll learn. So they take the visor, they put it on their head like uh -huh. so, and then they go, they can take a picture, and they send that picture to us. And all of a sudden, they get placed in a magical place. You may ask yourself, a magical place? What kind of place would that be? Well, it'd be a place called the Galaxy of Gods. There it is. 
Jesus, Deb and Gregor and Bill and Mr. Testy, and Steve and Michael and Robert and Rosary, and Scott, and there's more, there is Pinky and Mud and Alan and Aaron, <coughs> who are nudists, and Bob and his wife. <laughs> then there's Danny, and then there's Shan, not Chan. Wait, there she is. Come on, Shan. There you are, for God's sake. And Craig, and Glimmington, Jimmy, too. Jeez, and our friends in Hawaii, and also Russia. And then there's who Christina, whose all babies are because of my music, and Don, and Jackie. There's Mike. Look, look. And Pops and Sammy, everybody is a winner, but there's more. There's Carol, and a dog, and Chris, who is dead in my backyard. And Brett, your buddy Scott, and Wayne, let's not forget our good buddy Brett. All right. This was a tough one. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you think now? Glad you're here, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, this was arguably our most difficult ever we normally have 20 plus people. We got 11 entries because this was hard. Here was last episode's Have a Drink on Me. And the answer was Morels over at uh, Palazzo. Morels at Palazzo. Morels at Palazzo. It's a very lovely place. By the way, Tableside uh, Bloody Marys, which are fantastic. Okay, here we go. We're going to put uh, Keith to, to work here. We'll see how he does. What am I doing? Uh, you're going to write down names if I ask you to do okay. so. Okay. Here we go. Our number one entry is Mr. Testy. He gets one for the correct answer. Mr. Testy gets one more for being in the live chat. All right. You're going to fold it in half. Mm -hmm. And he gets one more, Mr. Testy, for being uh, uh, the first correct answer. That's a triple already for Mr. Testy. He's got a 100% chance to win. After this one, he will now have a 75% chance to win. Steven from uh, the UK, who's a big fan of the show. Next, we've got Andy in New Hampshire. Next, we've got Monica Fagan. Next, we've got Samuel Jackson. Oh, pretty cool that we got Samuel Jackson. No, don't write it down. Uh, <laughs> Paul Con Condor, 954. Uh, phase Jitter, one for the correct answer. Phase Jitter. How do you spell phase? Uh, phase like out of phase, jitter like I've got the jitters okay. for being in the live chat. Right. And we've got Mike Lazowski. I think Mike's in the live chat. Let me double check on that. Let me double check if Mike is in there. Oh, hell, let's just put him in there. Mike Lazowski, like that. Mm -hmm. Boom. One in the live chat. He gets it. Okay. Next, we've got Steve from Nashville. Let's put Keith to more work. Steve writes. Oh, I have to read something? Sure. Uh, okay. He says, I enjoy the show and will be in Las Vegas this week before Halloween. The week before Halloween. I'll be staying in one of the big... Sleep Suites at El Cortez and having the ultimate low roller experience. Boom. The last time I was in Vegas, August, of, for DEF CON, I was impressed with the Cromwell. The casino is small but has great action and food and entertainment. However, some prices on the strip are out of control. What? Getting charged. That's crazy. $29 for a double Jack on the Rocks and a beer at a House of Blues was a tipping point for How me. much was that? 29 bucks. That's stupid. I know. 
Uh, non-strip places like South Point, Gold Coast, and Golden Nugget are still an incredible combination of value and quality. But my next visit will be all about getting those Silver Strike tokens. At, and El Cortez and Four Queens are the only casinos that have them. Compared to the strip, I'll feel like a goddamn big shot. Bam! I'll be throwing down boy. so many Lincolns. That, oh, oh, my God. You got, you got Idaho-ish just yeah, now. That y'all might y'all. as well call me John Wilkes Booth. Thank Boom. you. Steve from Knoxville. Son of a very picker way to go hey put in uh sam jackson because he is in the live chat thank you sam the wrench thanks for bringing that up you're the man okay boom okay and then we've got bill 98036 and bill writes uh greetings gentlemen as mentioned way back when we changed our reservation after watching your pool review and moved to the mgm grand we agree with you the place is great. Love that lazy river. We got there early to grab seats and left mid-afternoon when things started to get a bit crazy. Buckets of beer were reasonable, considering the venue. Thanks again for the review. Next time, we're going to try Caesars and Mandalay Bay, just to compare. How about Morel's French Steakhouse and Bistro for this week's Haddam? You guys made me work for it. Anyways, keep up the good work. So, all right. And then finally, Mr. Happy himself, Pops! He's in there. Pops gets one for the correct answer. Pops gets one for being in the live chat. That's the name? Pops. Just Pops. Just Pops. Okay, like uh, the Boston Pops. Just like the Boston Pops without <laughs> the Boston parties from Florida. And one more for providing this video entry. Pops, take it away. Hey, kids. This week's Adam Bars was one of those high-end places where Pops is just not ever likely to go. But I am going to give Scott credit for having really hard clues and a hard picture to match up. If I'm going to send in a Haddam entry and do a video, I want to make absolutely sure I'm right. That would be kind of stupid to do a video over having the wrong answer. So I've got one entry for having the right answer, and I've got one entry for being in the live chat, and I've got one entry for doing this video. And I'm absolutely sure that our buddy Wayne is right on top of that. Thanks, guys. I need a new visor. i got to win. See ya. Thank you, Pops. And we took care of you last time. You didn't see it because he was doing it during the actual video running. That was the problem. Okay. Oh, ready? We got to draw something out of a hat. Now we're going to have you draw something out of the hat. Okay. Musical director. Go. Drum roll. Brrr, I don't, but I have a... I ain't got shit. Okay, okay. Here's one. You think I'd have a drum roll, right? Yeah. Okay, here we go. The winner is... Samuel Jackson, everybody. <laughs> Sam the Wrench, who's in the live chat. He won because he doubled his pleasure. He doubled his fun. I say so. Nicely done. All right, let's look at this week's Have a Drink on Me, shall we? la da Oops, that's not it. Oh, there it is. Okay. Hit number one. By the way, if you guys don't get this, you're all going to hell because it's so easy. I made up for last week. Okay, hit number one. This place was made famous in a movie where John Travolta spent most of his time wearing a cowboy hat. This bar was made famous in a movie where John Travolta spent most of his time wearing a cowboy hat. That there's a horse sound, by the way. You're welcome. Number two, some of the bar stools there are actually horse saddles. What? How fun is that? Some of the bar stools at that here venue is made of horse saddles. Hell, that's fucking cool. And hit number three. Hey, if you've got $10, this place will throw you from a mechanical bull. 
If you've got $10, this place will throw you off of a mechanical bull. If you know the name of this here venue, send your email to have a drink at VegasVideoNetwork.com. I'll let have a drink VegasVideoNetwork.com. There you go. Keith, thank you very much for playing along. Sure thing. You'll be okay. Don't worry. Just take a shower when you get home and you'll feel fine. Okay. Hey. <coughs> I want to thank everybody for playing along with us, of course. You guys are the best in the whole world. Hey, if you want to check us out and want to send us an email, you can do so by sending the email to onairq at livinginlv.com. Again, onairq at livinginlv.com. Hey, if you want to send us a voicemail, you can. Just go to our website. It's a magical website. It's kind of like a unicorn, really, except for that whole, well, never mind. And there's a little tab there, and you can click on the little tab, and you can send your email, and I can't find the fucking graphics, so we're not going to do it. All right. Hey, we're on social media. Go find us. We're on iTunes, and if you're watching us or listening to us on the iTunes, give us a five-star review. Don't be stingy. Give us that, and then go to Cabaret Jazz and go see that stuff because it's fantastic as well. Hey, we're on YouTube. We're a YouTube partner. We're on Roku. 79,000 accounts have been installed. We're on Stitcher, TuneIn, Chromecast, Apple, Google, Fire TV, Google Play, and, of course, the Vegas Video Network. Hey, I'm Scott. That there's Keith. Thank you so much for playing long here. Thank you again, Keith. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for all that I've done to you. That was fun. Take care, man.